0: You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, how are you? We are live. My name is Matt Phillips, I'm the creator of RunChatLive.com and this is episode 170. Of the Sports Therapy Association podcast recorded as always live every Tuesday normally 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel although tonight because of the just fame of my three guests will be bringing up shortly we're also going live to the Born to Move Facebook page and also to the ST School Facebook page hopefully technology um, in hand hopefully if you are joining us live from um, either the Facebook pages or YouTube then put feel free to put something in the comments just to show us that it's working you can say hi um, I am on the want Facebook page when you do join us live then any comments you make I can bring up onto the screens so it's a nice chance to flash off your um, logo for your business and just to hang out with like-minded soft tissue therapists Um, It's a little bit quiet in the live lounge at the moment, which is why, but I'll just move on and just think I'm just being impatient because normally I'm about 10 minutes late. Anyway, so we are continuing our countdown to Therapy Expo 2023, which for those of you who aren't aware is happening at the NEC Birmingham um, this November, the 22nd and the 23rd, bringing you on the podcast guest speakers who are going to be presenting in the STA Update Theatre, which is the Sports Therapy Association Update Theatre. Um, Last week in episode 169, if you missed that, I had the pleasure of talking with Angela Jackson, who's an internationally respected educator, working particularly with younger athletes um, and female athletes. And Angela is going to be in the STA Theatre Therapy Expo at 9.15am on day two, presenting how to integrate neurocognitive approaches into a rehabilitation setting. Um, If that title confuses you at all, then a good idea would be to listen to the podcast, which obviously is available on all podcast apps. And also, if you want to watch the video, then you can watch it on YouTube. Um, It actually, to tell you the truth, if you're a therapist, then unwrapping that title will be a great idea because Angela breaks it down, as always, wonderfully. And essentially, it's about a potentially very important missing link in our rehab um, for athletes and and non-athletes in terms of their neurocognitive ability it just means that when you are injured the messages to and from your brain are inhibited become a little bit smudged and unless you do specific exercises to improve and clean up those neural pathways then you're probably missing part of um, that very important recovery and this is why potentially as the research is now showing um pre-injury is such a massive indicator or or it's so prevalent in re-injury um, and that could be the missing link, or one of the missing links. So yeah, great episode, and once again, thank you to Angela Jackson for giving up her time. And yeah, if you're interested, then come along to the Expo Day Two, nine fifteen a.m. Anyway, a few people are entering the live lounge now. Uh, Nikki Mansfield is here, and I'm just bringing up Nikki's message onto the screen. Evening all. I haven't read it now. Do I read it for? Yeah. Nikki's fine. It's always PG. Uh, there's only one thing better than tonight's upcoming Motley Crue Cognitions, The Motley Crue plus wine. Does that mean she's at home listening to Vince Neil and I don't know Motley Crue? Okay. Um, Facebook Live is working great. Nikki, thanks for letting us know that. Um, like I say, if anybody is joining us live, then feel free to ask questions directly to our guests. Tracy Stevens is in the sh- in the house as well. Tracy Stevens says hi, everyone. Hi Tracy. Thanks for joining us. Right, so back to tonight. In this episode, my guests waiting patiently in the lobby are as follows, in no particular order. James Earles and Owen Lewis are born to move, um, who will be giving a theory and practical hour workshop. Yes, you heard it right. It's a whole hour in the STA theatre. That's going to be um, on day one at four o'clock at Therapy Expo 2023 and the title of their presentation or practical workshop is going to be Understanding Functional Links to the Lower Limb. Both James and Owen have been on the podcast before and together they offer hugely popular courses. We always get great feedback from STA members who go on the courses. just evidence informed in the best meaning of the word which I'm sure we'll discuss later on. um, Very highly spoken of so uh, it's absolute pleasure to be able to give an hour to these guys at Therapy Expo and they're going to be also uh, across other places uh, in therapy Expert, which we'll talk about now if you're interested in listening to James and Owen then you can check out episodes 109 115 140 and 140 158 that's it that's how much we love them four episodes I think they're sitting at the top at the moment um, uh, yeah, and yeah then you'll find interviews with both James and Owen we are also joined um, by another fantastic educator and friend of the STA school who is none other than Anna Maria Mazzieri who's the director of the ST School. School of Soft Tissue Therapy and also created the very popular Hands On Hub area at Therapy Expo, and we'll be particularly talking about the Hands On Hub. If you're not aware it was there last year which was the inaugural uh, reception of this Hands On Hub and it was a fantastic success for reasons you will hear very shortly and it's great to hear that it's back this year just next to the SDA theatre actually so I mean that's going to be your place for most therapists to hang out it's going to be a wonderful corner of the event. Um, as well as talking about their individual involvements with Therapy Expo this year, Anna, James, and Owen are also going to discuss the story, which is a plan they have devised, a cunning plan, uh, to help therapists who attend Therapy Expo find common meaning and important principles in all the talks and workshops they're going to see across the two days. Because last year it was just a bit manic. People rushed around trying to see as many presentations as possible, and a lot of it just became unjointed, and it was just like, too much information so the idea this year and we're going to talk about this with anna maria and the guys is um let's connect these talks together why are we going what are we hoping to come out with? what are we listen for so that's the idea. right long um intro but that will let you know what's coming up if you listen to the podcast um and like i said if you do want to join us live next time then just come along to youtube um on tuesday at eight o'clock so without further ado I'm going to bring up James Earls and Owen Lewis of Born to Move, and also Anna-Maria Mazzieri of the ST School and Hands on Hub. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. So, good evening. Oh, good, good evening,
1: evening Matt.
0: How are you? Well, if you listen to the podcast, then you're missing out really because it's just like royalty, all in a row. It's just like it's amazing. It's really great to see you three together. And we're really looking forward to hearing how you guys are working together for therapy expo this year. So um remember just to remind people, live lounge, I'm not I'm gonna be concentrating on these three. Okay, so if you've got comments, then just put them in there. I've told these two if they see something interesting in the comments, then to, to direct my attention to it. So feel free to ask questions. Sarah Jones says, good evening, looking forward to Expo, fantastic, uh, Nicholas Wheeler is in here as well, good to see you, Glenn Murphy is here as well, so great people coming. In, right then, good to see people, thanks so much for giving us your time, um, how are you first of all, you all good, in any particular order? You can't nod on a podcast, it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> I'm trying to mute myself because my dogs have just come back from their they walk. So, very soon you're going to hear them, as you all know. So. Oh,
0: wonderful. No, we, yeah. we live for that. Give <laughs> your dog a name
1: uh, Sula and Flo.
0: Sula and Flo, wonderful. Look forward to them joining us as well. Uh, fantastic. As right. So, Therapy say. Expo, not far away now. Has anyone done the math? What are we looking at? Five,
1: six, six weeks. weeks? Six
0: weeks. That's come by very quickly, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Incredible so uh, before we get into that um, as I always say I'm hoping that particularly some of the listeners to the podcast kind of two and a half three thousand of you I'm hoping that they don't know you because that's the idea otherwise we're just patting each other on the back and 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 just confirming what we know which is useful as well but so would you be so kind maybe we'll start with Anna Maria just give us a little elevator pitch breakdown of who you are and how you got to the education you provide today.
1: Uh, So I am Anna Maria Mazzieri, I am a a clinician and uh, an educator, very passionate about hands-on therapy and everything that hands-on in terms of manual therapy and massage can provide for the person's health and well-being in all its entirety. And I provide uh, qualification courses in soft tissue therapy, which is a massage and movement um, uh, type of qualification and uh, also CPD courses. And I hate introducing myself. So I'm just going to go.
0: So that's for the ST school. Um, in case people are looking um for that um available on social media i think quite well done actually it's it's at the st school everywhere which is wonderful um so yeah people can look you up there and also the website the st fantastic thank you for that owen you are next on my um working around so owen could you let people know who you are
2: yeah absolutely um and i think straight away like anna said i don't like talking about <laughs> I right. there is so a team of emerging already about that because it's like well I don't really care about me it's not that important or that exciting really just another life um, fundamentally though like, what I am passionate and excited about is is the anatomy is the biomechanics how does that you know transfer into clinical world which is really where I where I live and breathe um, every day uh, and it was it was through that kind of passion and excitement that you can you can probably already hear. Um, sort of gets, I get very buzzy about all of this um, straight away, that uh, collaborated with with uh, with James um, to come up with this idea of Born to Move and the whole Born to Move package, um, which is a whole kind of group of, of workshops, um, of online education, um, webinars, as well as the books that James just seems to be pouring out. It's like, oh my God, another one. Um, I, I have, the, I'm just to compete with the guy. I um, my one is coming out um, at the beginning of next year, I hope. It uh, should be. Um, so look out for that. Um, just a nice little plug <laughs> in there. What's um, that going to be? On?
0: You did tell me before when you were on the show. Uh, called what
2: is it called Core. Um, and it's, yeah, it's going to be about the core, whatever the hell that is. So, um, But I won't go into that because it's a, a bigger topic that we, than we need to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of me. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Thank you very much for that. Wonderful and uh james that leaves
3: you yep um well thank you thank you matt for the the opportunity uh for the the invitation and also thank you anna maria um for helping organize not just tonight but also for the uh, the work at the, the therapy expo um our relationship um with anna maria goes back to 20, 2009 2010 i think uh she was she was gracious enough to invite me down to Exmouth. To teach uh, anatomy twins uh, workshop is where I, I kind of started teaching, and in the UK I trained uh, in bodywork and, and manual therapies over in, in Belfast, and then started getting involved with the Anatomy Twins School. Um, I started seeing some of the limitations of the of the this the, the, the bodywork stories that we were telling ourselves, and I got excited, partly out of the frustration of the in my inability to answer students questions because I, I, I wanted to be able to answer the questions um, about movement and what's the uh, anatomy. And that led me to uh, a guy called Gary Gray. I did a, a functional movement training with him. And since then, that was back in 2010, probably, that I started the kind of relationship with the, the Gray Institute. And that's informed a lot of my work um, in the last you, 14 years. God. Oh, I am um, so feeling my age. Um, and that's trying to blend movement and manual therapy, and, and I have an interest in evolutionary and comparative anatomy, and I kind of geek out on that and get excited about, but the. The, the difference between our pelvis and the chimpanzee pelvis and shoulders, and why gibbons can swing through trees and why we can't and why we shouldn't be kind of brachiating, and all the all the, the stories that we have on on social media, and kind of looking at the the natural approach to movement and what is natural and what's unnatural, and what's what's what are we designed for? And why are we in this shape? Those are the things that get me the questions that get me excited. Amazing, thank you so much. Yeah, you can hear the passion in both your voices.
0: Wonderful, it's so infectious um and probably part of the reason for your amazing education and it's nice pointing out as well because Anna Maria um you yes, yeah, so you you were entertaining and hosting guests like back in 2010
1: See, yes yeah, far see, ahead yeah. of their
0: time I mean you had me early mm-hmm. way way back which is just revolutionary you had these guys <laughs> so you you I mean you've been a conduit of of better more evidence-informed practice for years so it must be really nice now that some of the stuff you were trying to spread 10 years ago is actually got a name for it now it's got so- a psychosocial model something we can call it something instead of just mm-hmm. doing something new. must be quite nice for you to see it coming around
1: yeah it was lovely it was lovely actually to make those connections then to be part actually of i would call it the movement the, those questions all the time with the lecturers and the speakers and discontinue questioning none of us uh, will none of us are happy or ever happy uh, in terms of there are no there are no answers to any of the questions there are no answers to the question there can only be more questions but at least now there is uh, it's great to be a very great amount of people that are asking those questions and we are a bit more uncertain together so it's that it's it's lovely fantastic
0: I think i might actually i'm going to change i'm going to deviate from my script a little bit that i kind of put together i want to go straight into this because we've heard about you and and very much already a theme has been learning evolving not knowing the answers and and all of us have done this for we were doing it 10 and more in james's case back in the 1800s or something but we've been doing it for a long long time and finally now is I want you to tell me, Anne-Maria, where this idea, the story came from. And I'm wondering whether you've done it because you feel that now is the time where therapists can actually relate to it, whereas 10 years ago it would have just gone over people's heads. Have, have things changed? No,
1: no, it was just because on. it was <laughs> it is just one of the amazing conversations with James there, and we were talking about, general things and talking about you know as I said you know it would be nice to have always felt uh, I think probably we're all feeling the same that you know sometimes when we go to conferences or events the knowledge we all we all absorb another a lot of knowledge soon to be forgotten or soon to be packed away because it's so much that we cannot actually give it a bit of a, a connection and uh, and and already, you know, the, the the hands-on hub was shaping up, the talks in the hands-on hub was shaping up. And I wanted to put some of you in connection because I, I'm very, as as I always say to you all, I'm very privileged. I know you all individually. So I actually, I know all your work and I could see from uh, an outsider how certain things linked. And then I was talking to James and James has this absolute way with words. It's just, to me, it's just... Poetry. if None of you have ever read any of James's books. Uh, you know, you're missing something because he writes like poetry. And and he says, "Yes." And I said, "You know, it felt the same that we're missing a common thread, a story." And so when he said the word "story," it's just it just to me all of a sudden just made sense. That's that's what we're missing: this common, consistent story between different uh, different talks between different presentations a story that then can help the attendee to make a tiny little bit more sense of what they have learned so it's not me it's actually something that came out through conversation you know with, with James and um, and I, I love the word story you know we're Thinking story journey, but actually the story has something to me quite quite powerful, you know, quite narrative-wise. And I think that's where we want to bring it. It is narrative-wise. So brilliant. Great idea. Came
0: across. And this is a really important message, I think, that I want to make for people who people who went to Therapy Expo last year will have noted that. The quality of presentations has just become really much more relevant. It was really good last year since they started this advisory panel, which people like Anna Maria have been on and Gary Benson, founder of the STA and other people as well. Since they've been asking therapists or educators, what do you think we should be giving here as opposed to just making a commercial driven decision? It's just shot up. But the result of that last year was a lot of therapists running around. Heart rate at like two hundred plus, thinking oh my God I've got to make it to so and so because there was so much choice, and I think all of us thought after, at the end of last year we were shattered because the, the, the there was just stress in the air and we thought this seems to be a really good reaction to that to help therapists realize that it's not just the case of going to as many presentations as you want because you'll finish thinking I can't remember any of that so the idea of this when I heard you talking about this and let's make a connection between it all so people know what they're trying to get out of this then that's it's just a great idea lovely idea and of course it came from James's mouth obviously obviously so um let's talk briefly about before we go more into that um I just want to make sure that we have a look at what you guys are presenting and then maybe we can talk a little bit more to the story and how these talks fit into it so let's just bring up, if people don't know what we're talking about in terms of the different theatres at Therapy Expo, I'm just going to bring this onto the page. So when you go to therapyexpo.co.uk, as whoever's been looking for the presentations, they will know, then what happens is you've got kind of different theatres. Um, Therapy Expo has, I don't know how many people now go through the door over two days, I think it's like 10,000 or something, it's incredible. And you've got at least, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 different theatres or something. Within those theatres, A, B and C, um, you've got the STA theatre we've just got two days of presentations and you've also got the hands on hub I'm putting this on the screen now just in case you listen to the podcast Um, and then there's other theatres so it's it's a nice way of organising it but there will be a lot of running around from theatre to theatre in order to see who you want to see for example then as far as our guests tonight go um, in the STA theatre at four o'clock on on the Wednesday we're going to have James and Owen doing an hour practical session, which we're very excited about. So people actually get standing up and doing some, because we kind of, actually we'll talk about this in a second, you tend to learn a bit more when you're actually doing things, don't you? you're moving. And, so I'm gonna ask James and Owen to not give it all away, but just give a, an idea, a synopsis of what people who attend this understanding functional links to the lower limb uh, will be getting from coming to this hour presentation. Either of you can jump in there. Let's give Owen a chance. Go on Owen. What's the idea?
2: Right. <laughs> I mean, yes, I woke up for a moment there. Um, <laughs> so okay, so yeah, it's it's like it's it's one of those ones that I'm really looking forward. To. Oh, I'm looking forward to to be honest. I mean, you know, Therapy Expo is, is there's a reason that you, you go along in general, um, that I certainly will, will be will be would be going anyway. I just want to listen. It's such a gold mine of, of ideas and and um, there's so many things that can sort of spin spin from old experience, um, but yeah, um, we're doing this lovely little double act with with, um, with 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 James. It's all about imposter syndrome. I mean, my gosh! Um, but I know that you know the reality of presenting is dealing with imposter syndrome. That's just kind of um, one of those wonderful wonderful realizations I had a while ago. I'm like, okay, so I've got to get over that one every time. Um, but really, we're going to be um playing around with in a funny way with perspective so i'm going to be kind of from a kind of top down driven kind of perspective of things really with a more of a sort of focus on the on let's say the pelvis um and the hip and all that kind of element um, and how does the pelvis and the hip how does that generate differences in in the foot and then james is going to tell you more about the foot obviously because he he wrote a rather good book on, on, the foot, understanding the human foot. Um, and it's, it's just kind of playing with ideas within this. So, you know, like how come a pelvic torsion like, to the right could explain that the left foot is pronated. Yeah. You know, so the pelvis is causing the, the poor alignment of the foot. Right. And therefore the, let's say plant, plantar fasciitis in the left foot. And we got to be able to predict that that's true but if we then you know focus all our attention in that scenario with the foot we start working on their arches and lifting them and orthotics and exercises and all the rest of it and we will fail because the result you know in that pattern it's actually coming from the pelvis down but if i just reverse that story here's the story again if i reverse that story and we have another failure yeah and this failure would be well actually you know someone has uh, pelvic floor problems, incontinence, lower back pain, something like that. Ooh, plane going over in my house, um, and we would fail if we focused all on the pelvis. If the, actually the foot is driving up through into the into the pelvis, so so it's playing around with these interactions and and being able to therefore predict the interventions that we that we have or, or that we can give um, each time. So that's that's a lot of the. A lot of the stuff that we're going to be um, looking at from a from a perspective, you know, change of perspective within within all of this, um, this whole area. It's such a big area. Um, yeah. So um, and then, yeah, luckily, I'm, I'm going to be working alongside James during that hour. Um, so all the questions that I will throw out there that will say, well, a minute, we need to know more about the foot. Well, James is sitting there as this, you know, immense resource. So we can we can ask him to, to say, well, actually, this is what's happening in the foot. And like, oh, OK, well, this is what's happening in the pelvis. And we can have hopefully this kind of to and fro between the two of us, between our, our um, experiences and, 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 um, and expertise.
0: Fantastic. James, is that the fair summary of what's gonna be going on here?
3: I think an excellent summary <laughs> except for the, the, the resource in the corner. Um, I think I uh, touched briefly on the, on, the, on the mechanics and 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 alluded to the story and a big part of the for me the the story of what we're going to present is going to be getting the language for that story. So i know we, we're going to be the, the presentation is going to be very embedded within the, the biomechanics and there is so much so many other aspects that we could be talking about and i think a lot of a lot of the frustration a lot of the confusion that's kind of out there between therapists between uh, researchers and, and 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 others commentators um is because there's not a clear language for the interactions that happen and as much as we can do in the in the hour by giving very practical, very immediate examples of everything that, that Owen just mentioned in terms of the different positions of the pelvis and how that relates to the feet and vice versa, um, it's being able to clearly language and experience it and trans, thereby translate it and therefore have that, that power within Kind of all levels of being able to touch it, being able to see it, being able to feel it, being able to understand it, and that's that's the the, the end goal of the 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 hour. That's a it's a lot to ask, but in my view, if you if you've if you've achieved that, if you've felt it, you've seen it, and you have the language for that, then that's that's embedded more more strongly because you know part of the conversation that that I had with Anna Maria it was around the. F- my own frustrations of being an attendee at conferences and and events like like therapy expo where you one gets really excited because there are so many great presentations so many great presenters so much fantastic information but you go from a to b to c to d and it's so rapid and so disparate and you know, you go from a shoulder, you go to a neuromuscular, you go to biopsychosocial evidence, evidence informed, and and it's hard to make the connections between all of those three, because they and it's not no presenters' fault, it's no organizers' fault. It's just that's that's the the, the way in which the organizers and events tend to just have come about. And we wanted to kind of change that and encourage a, a kind of thread of continuity, so it's much easier for the attendee to go. Okay, just kind of to relax a little bit, and say, okay, there there is going to be some degree of connection between these these presentations. And so, in ours, we're going to very much focus in around the the language of the biomechanics, and kind of get that that embedded in order that we can tell a story of the the, the mechanics and the relationships, and have that as part of the the bio within the cycle workflow model. Very nice. Sounds great. Um, yeah, I'm going to mention funny.
0: before I go to Anna, though. I'm just going to mention like a couple of the other presentations you're doing, and then I'm going to ask Anna to basically say what is it about these type of presentation that enthuses you to create the hub to create the story so to give you people out there an idea of what else Owen and james are up to um Owen is going to be uh, in the hands on hub on a thursday at 9 15 a.m talking about philosophy of care reflecting towards clinical excellence which is something i want to poke at a little bit later on because that's just a magnificent new angle which a lot of people therapists, therapists would not even dream fantastic. of doing this if you do We've also got uh, James inside the Hands-On Hub, um, who's going to be doing, uh, diddle, diddle, diddle. Oh no, hold on. Oh yes.
1: He,
0: For, no, I mean, he's doing philosophy of care, reflective clean Elections, And what's James doing in the Hands-On Hub?
1: James is doing toe extension. Oh, is, of course, the powerhouse of the gate. The big, toe. Yes. The, gate. The the big toe, exploring its form and function. The focus on efficiency, efficiency in human gate.
0: And then also outside of the Hands on Hub and outside of the STA Theatre, then both of you are involved in the other theatres as well, doing different presentations. So, what is it about Owen and James, Anna Maria, that enthuses you to create the Hub and, and this story? What is it that you. James hates people talking about how good he's sitting there shaking his head, going red on a podcast, which is. But yeah, what is it you love? Why are these people so great? Why do you fall at the feet of James and Owen worshipping every step they take? <laughs>
1: <laughs> really? well, so each of you, actually. So when when uh, it's a no-brainer or to ask to be part of the Hands-On Up. First of all, the Hands-On Up is the translation of evidence what evidence what an evidence inform inform progressive approach to hands-on therapy hands-on and movement therapy looks like in clinical practice we wanted somewhere where the the, the attendee could uh, uh, understand what the theory looks like this embodiment of, of of knowledge and it's a no-brainer to ask i mean i'm you know, Owen is somebody that I just very more recently are starting to to uh, knowing and him. But James, uh, I've been a fan of James works for for many many years. So, and then you, Matt Phillips, because you know, for me again, you are you are another greater educator. And all of you, and also the other two that are part of the story, which is John Scrivener, Imi Testa, and all of you already interestingly enough had your own ideas for the presentation at the hands-on app and actually when when I went to look at them all and discussing you I wanted a link to put them together the link didn't ask didn't came after the presentations were there already for me it was easy because I know all of you so I could see that actually each of the presentation represented the sorry, the whole presentations together there was already a consistent message there, and the consistent message was a holistic integrated um modern approach to care, including the philosophy of care, including the critical thinking, including the evidence in form. I was the privileged one because I could see it from the from the outside because i knew I knew them all so and what I loved, and we spoke, we had, you know, we did a web a webcast, a podcast with James years ago about apologies, Welcome to my dog Sula, Sula, yeah. Uh, so what uh, um, we I am very frustrated often that the, on the BPS model of of health and care, the biomechanical or biomedical aspect of it especially the biomechanical i think it's always been misinterpreted i dare to say misunderstood in fact i think biomechanics is misunderstood so all it, you know well actually when you look at biomechanics it's not the black and white like we thought you know it's 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 an integrated system and, and the the to me the bringing back that the understanding of the integration between between the dis- different aspect was important so all your talks actually put them all together was well that's what a great client journey looks like within movement and hands-on so to be honest it was already there the thread is when james said the word story that highlighted all those links
0: cool so someone of your experience notices this and the idea now is to help other therapists to notice this is actually going on and someone might go oh yeah i didn't realize that before of course it is and to be able to link that and maybe even choose their talks according to kind of like what area of that they want a bit more information in or something so to get the oval picture fantastic okay so you you kind of boiled it down to five principles didn't you
1: yeah well we all we all actually you know we we again really interesting because i we all self-regulate i think eventually and we all when we met up and 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 you know said what what should have been the principles of you know that we very much care for for within you know the philosophy of within the the approach to care and we all said the principle that actually very much reflected the talks so the, the, the the um overall principle that encompasses them all is heterarchy which is a word I didn't even know thank you Owen for suggesting it because that to me is just all of a sudden the word heterarchy again opened up that that making sense of this integrated interrelationship between the different systems in the body, between the different the interrelation between us and the and the client, there is no hierarchy, there is no hierarchy between the nervous system and the musculoskeletal system. There is no hierarchy between biomechanics and psychological, you know, it, it, there is not we are, and James always used to say that we are a person that walks, you know. Mm-hmm. So we are, you know, this it, the entireties of, of a soul and the word. That, that, heterarchy represents the, the um, kind of holistic you know Brilliant. approach which let's I, um
0: owen so i reckon mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners will be familiar with hierarchy it's something which they've probably read in different circumstances but maybe you could summarize why is it useful why would it be useful for people going to therapy expo to understand maybe before there or whilst they're there that we need to move away from the idea of a hierarchy in the human system and embrace this new word which is fair enough is a bit a word we're not kind of even saying half the time but yeah why do we move from a hierarchy to a heterarchy what is it
2: yeah i, well, I mean higher i mean hierarchical systems are you know are everywhere you yeah? know from from society you know big picture sort of stuff it's it's a hier- often a hierarchical system Um, And within the clinical environment, if we have a hierarchical system, then we're more, that will cloud, that will affect the way that we interact. So when I'm working with my client, if I am in a hierarchical system, then I, the client, sorry, I, the practitioner, know best. That is the classic sort of top-down driven um, situation. Now, if I know best, I have to know everything. And that's difficult because I don't, and nobody does. So, you know, if my, then now we've got this, this interesting interplay of, of interrelationships between me and my client. Interesting in the fact that, so if we look at, um, you know, one of these wonderful questions, why does my client not do their homework, not do their exercises? Perhaps that is a direct result of the fact that I know best and I'm telling you to do your homework. Just like teacher said, and many people, I certainly did, rebel. We say, I don't want to do my homework. I'm not going to do it. Huh, that will show him. Sh- In other words, we've got dissonance between those two people. And exactly the same thing can happen when we start to uh, consider the body, the system that we call human, right? If we go into a hierarchical system, we start saying, ah, oh, well, the psoas is more important than the deltoid. So I'm going to work on the psoas or the, you know, the, the, the fascial system. That's the most important thing. That's my bias talking. So everyone who walks in gets work on the fascial system. Oh, but hold on a minute. Maybe they don't need that. Maybe it's just that, again, that hierarchy. That is that is um, changing, affecting exactly what I'm doing, has a real impact in what I'm doing and the way I'm seeing clients' assessments and so on. Change that relationship, change that into a heterarchy, and always much more even um, um, situation, you know, from again, big picture, look at society, it would be where where um, where we can all govern and be governed. Um, The Conservative Party, I think, have recently tried that with all their prime ministers. But anyway, that's a whole different point. Um, (laughs) That changes the whole interrelationship between client practitioner. It changes the relationship of what is the most important system, what is the most important area in which I'm going to work. It's going to be based on the client that's coming in and what they're asking for. What's the, the most important part of that? Um, of, of that interaction.
1: Yeah. I, I Very recently, uh, Owen, I was mm-hmm. um, on one of the many forums. Somebody said, oh, they're talking about massage and uh, touch. So yes, muscles are just something like, they said it's like a piece of meat, a piece of dead meat, something very disparaging. It's all about the skin. And I thought, oh my God, and we reached the point in which we are actually... Literally, are saying things. So, are we reducing the person that we are interacting with, or we're having an encounter with, to the muscles? It's just a dead. Uh, um No, oh yes, because I was saying yes, a muscle is just dead meat that is it's only activated by 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 the nervous system. And I think, oh my god, and those are the same people that they are trying to bring forth a, a more. A neurocentric approach to 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 to, to care, or a neurocentric approach to to mechanics of of massage, and I think there is no one no one explanation, if there ever is an explanation, which is superior than another. We, are, this is what the word the "hierarchy." We are an inter interacting system, interacting within ourselves and with the environment. You know that really just just sorry, I have to say just
3: that's fine. That's fine. my
1: heart, my, my blood.
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm excited to sort of help own um, introduce the, the the concept and the word because as soon as we become aware of the idea, the concept, the, the almost the value of a hierarchy, it's like the the body the body and the systems are heteror- uh, they're heterarchical. they're hierarchical. It was like there's no no predominance there's no one is more important than than any other there's the the old story of the the brain the the mouth the the heart the lungs that and the anus all having an argument over who was the most important in the body and and they all play games with one another there is no that that can happen it's like it it may be for the client that's presenting for us to us with us Um, that one system is more Important within their presentation, but I need to have I need to come to them to come to my client without being locked into the bias that it is all about the the nervous system, or the fascial system, or the muscular system, or the digestive system, or the, whatever you know. Take your bias of the the month, and um, I need to be as as open minded as I can be. And as soon as we do that, I I think it's a challenge to to therapist it's also a challenge to many of the schools that are very embedded within the the singular approach. Um yes. so I'm I'm excited to get to start that conversation yes. and to, to kind of get it out there. Fantastic. Um, one of five big principle. We're gonna move on,
0: but that's like one thing for people, hopefully listeners to make a little note of that, maybe do a little Google search, do a little what's the difference between a um a heterarchy and a hierarchy and see how it can apply to so many areas your relationship with your with your clients or or person you're working with with systems in the body with so many so many different areas it can be applied to. Uh, Let's move on to the next principle if that's okay um which integrated anatomy is what you decided Anna Maria maybe you can that it's that.
1: down it's i leave james to explain that oh, okay james, james. Or okay, over down to you. Or up? i don't
3: know you're yeah, okay. <laughs> down for yeah, me yeah, yeah yeah you're up there um it's like celebrity squares isn't it like... exactly willie rushton oh, that takes me back yeah we're both showing our age matt oh, no, totally i um integrate anatomy i'm i struggle to find the a, a terminology that I'm, I'm i'm settled with or happy with in terms getting the kind of the hierarchical principles into our anatomy the, the description of our anatomy what excites me is being able to describe the reality of movement so we had conversation earlier you've mentioned that the idea of biomechanics and biomechanics is it's it's not as useful as we thought it could or should be um, and I think it's it's because in my mind, biomechanics comes out of clinical anatomy. And I think we started, you know, we've all studied clinical anatomy, I think that was the wrong starting point. There are so many other types of anatomy, there's functional anatomy and comparative anatomy, developmental anatomy, evolutionary anatomy, and they're all much more useful for our purposes. But we've, you know, as a as a profession, you know, worldwide, I think we've, we've gone to clinical anatomy, because that's easily replicated and easily examined. And what I kind of try to get with the, the idea of the concept of integrated anatomy, it can also play with the idea of tensegrity anatomy, is just the reality of what happens whenever you make a normal movement. What happens through the rest of the system? So, you know, clinical anatomy would tell us, well, the deltoid abducts the shoulder. It's like, yeah, but how many of us actually do that until we're we're doing an orthopedic assessment? And, and then we get into a different discussion of the, the validity of the orthopedic assessment because well they're reductive and well, that's because they came out of this clinical anatomy. And clinical anatomy is just one tool that has been given this kind of hierarchical kind of put on a on a platform kind of place because we think that's the way we should be studying anatomy. I don't think I don't think we should, I think we should be starting with the reality of the body, make simple movements, explore your body, feel the the reality of what happens as you move. And that's, that's what I mean by integrated anatomy. It's the reality of normal everyday movement. And most of that is explainable, explorable, again, I go back to the vocabulary, once we have that the terminology in our in our hands and in our minds and in our our eyes, particularly. And I think clinical anatomy doesn't give us the tools to do that. I think we we need to really reevaluate how we how we learn, how we teach anatomy. And I think we were, you know, we we've talked about it before, and that's with on different things. I think the the beginning, the starting points are wrong, um, for the way that we try to learn how we move in the world. So I will start not with clinical anatomy and, and reduction. Start with actually how do we move? Just look at the movement and and build from there. So kind of build from a bigger picture inwards then we can, then we can understand the anatomy rather than having to learn it. That's excellent. And I think
0: that's an important point, which I like kind of repeating to listeners that it's not that we're having to throw everything we've learnt out you know it's not that it's suddenly oh they're just trying to sell us a new course and everything's changed because that's very it's a great reason to put up a wall isn't it sometimes people just reject it because they think oh another person telling me i'm doing it all wrong it's it's significant shift but it's it, in reality it's just a tweak of what we're doing and what we're looking yeah. at and how we're weighting things out so this is something i guess which will become really apparent in your practical in the sta theater i guess and also in the big toe one as well isn't it it's um just yeah. changing the lens we use to look at how people are moving and things. Exciting, great. I'm gonna move along because it is 847. I definitely want to get all these five principles out. And it will leave a bit of a hook as well for people who are debating on what to look at in therapy expo. Let's move to the next principle. This is three of five principles which make up the story to connect different presentations at Therapy Expo. And number three
1: is natural, natural movement. Natural. So uh, John Scriven will uh, introduce, will his, his talk will introduce the natural mu- movement uh, principle, which is where, you know, it, um, the way he describes this is traditional movement skills that we have evolved to do because of natural environmental pressures, we have actually largely forgotten them because, obviously, for, because modern age has moved uh, away from there are not all those pressures anymore however the need for those movements they're still there and and the way he describes it so there is this kind of mismatch within what how we have evolved to move and uh, the environment where we move in that it removes some of those needs and and is going to look at what is natural movement. It's going to look at another word that I quite like is um, physical literacy. And there is not, you know, he, he said, he said, and I want to own back the word move well, John was saying. And I like that. I said, because actually move well, it doesn't mean that there is one way. There is not an ideal way of moving, but a way of moving that is created But when there is this heterarchy or interplay between environment, biomechanics, psychological, emotion, social, where everything comes together, when there is this matching of all of them for the particular task, particular need of the person at the time, that is moving well. Efficiency of movement, yes, it can be anatomical efficiency, but it can also be, Moving efficiently for that particular task. Here we are not talking about pain. Could we relate it to pain? Absolutely, but this is not a discourse for pain at the moment. Here we are talking about movement more. And uh, and but say, you know, how does that would that relate to pain? I I am very, uh, you know, to me is, um, follow quite a lot of dispositionalism where all of the, there are risk factors if some of those movements are more overloading than others if some of those movements are done in a situation in an environment where there actually um are not there is no efficiency for those movements, can they eventually become risk factors that together with other psychosocial risk factors can be part of the person's experience of pain or can be part of the person's you nociceptive know, drive, absolutely it could be you know my sense is it is but at the moment the discourse the discussion is more about movement and this natural movement is about going back it links uh, very well with with james's one because actually how are we designed to move and when is that how can we match that with what our needs uh, are so we in the world move well
0: i want to be devil's advocate a little bit and i'll and i'll uh, ask do. james this as well because I know and even I feel it I think when we had a discussion the word natural is is kind of abused quite a lot isn't it by therapists we got this idea and I mean it's a fallacy in itself isn't it it's, it's appeal to nature or something where you think that nature mother nature is looking after yeah. you and, and that's why we should eat everything that mother nature produces and we should go back to walking with no shoes on at all because it's natural but Once we realize that nature doesn't actually care about the human species, hence things like tsunamis and earthquakes and people born with congenital diseases and death, then we can move away from this idea that the more natural something is, the better. So how, when I hear natural movement, I'm thinking of that kind of era where suddenly everyone was told to walk like a crocodile and jump on their belly and, and kind of be these animals and stuff. And people were being told to do things which they're, ne- one, they're never gonna have to do in real life. And two, it was probably causing injuries because people were getting very enthusiastic about it and pouncing around and kind of doing all this stuff. So what's the difference between maybe that antiquated idea of natural movement with what we're talking about now? I mean, Alan Marie has kind of said it, but I want you to explain
3: it further to show the distinction, James. To me. Uh, so thank you uh, for me it's it's yeah could try I would try, argue like yourself to try and get away with the from the imposed story, so crawling like a while, swing like a monkey whatever because it because that is where we came from and it's kind of through the evolutionary tree and that's that shouldn't the, that shouldn't be the because it should be and we can, and it's going to be a little bit of fun. And you're going to move your joints, your your tissues, your body through ranges that you're not normally using because we're in a relatively um, non-varied um, environment, a very sterile movement environment. So anything that that encourages to to move, to exercise, to use kind of relatively novel ranges, strength. Um, that's a that's a good thing and those would be things that movements that we would be encouraged if we were in a in commas, more natural environment we would have different challenges we would be squatting to, to to feed the fire we'd be squatting to pull the tuber out of the out of the ground we would be climbing up more trees to cats that catch, catch the nuts nuts um cats the whatever we're climbing up trees to catch um <laughs> all of those would be a normal normal events of the of the day so i think we shouldn't we yeah should, should go away from the Yes, we should do this because,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: the only because is because because it's going to be useful for us, not because it's you know it's evolutionary blah, blah blah whatever kind of value that you put on. It's just let's get on and and learn how to relearn how to move better because once we once we get beyond childhood, once we get beyond the play is okay stage we we're supposed to grow up and um, our movement ranges gets get really quite constricted constrained so anything that encourages us out of that box and um, it's going to be a good thing
1: yeah oh, and, and if my dog is quiet and uh, to the variability concept i add potential movement that's what for us uh, mm-hmm. uh, natural movement is Let's explore and expose people to the potential movement that their body it's, it's able to explore because that, that's, that's what it is.
0: Very nice. I like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I like that. Not because, but because maybe we can sort of thing. Yeah, that's good. I that cleared it up for me wonderfully. OK, number four or five, which is kind of linked to it. I've already mentioned that word. It's a beautiful word, which I think all therapists need to bear in mind is play. So, who would like to talk about play? I mean, on the day we're going to have the wonderful Imi Test aren't we? Talking about play, um, which yeah, I recommend Amy, people go along to. What fantastic educator, relatively new or newer than us, because she's because we're just dinosaurs. No, we can't be dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, really fresh. No, we're fresh as well. I don't know. Just go and see Imi, people. Be wonderful, Imi. But yeah, play. What's the deal about play then? What's to the take? Well,
1: Imi will bring the concept of natural movement that um john presents she's gonna bring it into life by exploring different way of using the natural movement potential or the movement potential into clinical practice so they're going to be lots of strategies fun strategies with a lot of uh, fun games that we can use with our clients to help them to explore. So we use them in clinic, within a, within a therapeutic outcome in mind. So with clinical mind, you know, what can we use? So they're going to be a lot of play with, apparently she said, I need to get a lot of pool, what do you call them? The pool? Um,
3: noodles.
1: Pool noodles, yes. Don't, oh, I don't right. know why, lots of pool Totals, noodles, yeah. little balls, hula hoops, God knows. Excellent. You I mean, didn't ask me for a tree though. So that's that's a positive.
0: Yeah. And, and the other part. Play. Of- what is it about play, Owen, that's yeah, so absolutely. important in we things?
2: The other part of play that I'm hearing all the way through this, throughout our various conversations, uh, uh, other times as well, is that everyone who who has the privilege to, um, to present at Therapy Expo or, or really anywhere else. You know, we're daring to play with these dense subjects of anatomy, biomechanics, psychology, philosophy, whatever they happen to be. And so I think play is is also um, a demonstration of daring to fail or realizing that failure is part of this complex system. We're all going to fail. But actually, failure could very easily and is very often um, a pretty big barrier to daring to to play and to mess around with movement. Um, you know, we, we very quickly we come away from, you know, playing with the, as a child. We suddenly go, oh, I've got to behave myself now. I've got to I've got to move correctly, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. So now we start to dare to fail. Therefore, we can play with ideas. We can play with movement. We can play with the whole gamut of um, that kind of interclinical studio, whatever we, wherever we are, um, experience. I
1: love, I love that. that. Isn't we, that
2: great? Dare to fail, yeah. We
1: learn out of knowledge gap. That also in motor skills. Once we realize that we don't have the motor skills, that's where we learn the motor skill, when there is the gap. I love the concept. I absolutely love it.
0: Very nice. That's good. that's good. That's good. there's a T-shirt. There, somewhere, just waiting to be made. Ah, that's that a fail.
1: great that's idea. Me, yeah.
0: playing is doing. Emily yeah. oh. is with
1: us. Emily yeah. is with us. Emily is in the house. There we
0: go. Right, and then number five, which is great, we've got time to talk
2: about briefly. It's all
1: when that. It's all when is the critical thinking, thinking and critically. questioning. Yeah.
3: Oh,
2: uh, there's there's a little subject to finish with, isn't it? <laughs> just two minutes. Good. <laughs> Critical critical thinking, uh, clinical reasoning. And, and that's, that, again, it's it's messing around with ideas, isn't it? And, and I love it. I mean, um, it is, but it is part of parcel of exactly what should be happening in, in our clinical reality. Um, you know, one of the big um, elements of critical thinking is metacognition. Metacognition, a big, long, fancy word that means thinking about thinking. And it's that is the reason why we, um At the end of our client, you know, our client leaves. We have to sit down and write notes. And people love it or they hate it, but actually, it's such a a brilliantly useful moment to think about the process that you've just gone through. To think about what could be better, what could be what was worse, what what do we miss? All of that um, piece, and we start to um, really sort of um, ultimately ask better questions. Yeah, again, it's one of the principles that, that within Vogue Move is 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 trying to get people to ask better questions, to hypothesize, to test the hypothesis, and to retest and just keep going back and forth through there. And then it becomes this really uh curious dialogue um of of yeah of of, of playing around with ideas again.
1: Yeah, and also one of the really good for me to to is 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 an underpinning skill on every, every therapist that is evidence informed. They they need to question. I love what you said. The, the word curiosity and critically thinking, and even critically thinking at a evidence based level, because people sometimes think so. Evidence informed practice or evidence based practice is just about following evidence. Oh my God, it's not is again is the hierarchy between uh, clinical evidence therapist expertise and client preferences so you know even you know ne- they need to question their own bias and they need to they, they need to continuously question where their knowledge is coming from
2: absolutely so, so, I mean just to highlight it to anyone here who's listening to this you know we-, we keep using this word evidence informed and that's quite distinct from evidence-led. Lead suggests it's hierarchical. We're kind of, you know, we're, we're handcuffed and shackled and dragged along mm-hmm. by the evidence. Whereas clinical experience is actually driving uh, much of research, and research is informing our clinical application. That's a heterarchical situation of interplays. That's the best case scenario. Um, and so there is that distinction, I think, between evidence-informed and evidence-led.
0: I love it how, I mean, I remember having a question, conversation, I think with Trevor Pryor, a once when I was like trying to say, oh, it's so difficult to change the world. And he was going, but I was thinking, I think I was positive going, I think I can. But like, for example, we all, I think we all share a fondness for words and how changing a word can make a big difference. But I think some therapists, they're just not turned on by that. Like you just said, the difference between evidence informed and evidence led. And that to me is like, bam. That's so important. If you can appreciate that distinction, then you're going to take away a, a, a massive... Uh, it's going to be great. But a lot of people just either aren't interested in that, the difference of just saying, oh, you're just playing around semantics. So it's tricky, isn't it? Because that's one way to turn our audience on and educate them. But some people just aren't into words and they won't appreciate, won't they? So...
1: But that's okay. Sometimes we have to have certain... It's like with philosophy. Not expecting everybody to, to be interested about philosophy of care or... But sometimes, somewhere, those conversations have to happen mm. because are those conversations that eventually are going to seep uh, around or are going to you know spread, uh, which then are going to inform clinical practice. But surely, mm. I couldn't agree more that not everybody will be turned on by them. But somewhere, somehow, and I don't think, and, and, that's, and this is another thing why we chose the word a hierarchy We were, do you remember we were all a little bit, oh you know, it's a little bit of a, mm. a word you might turn people. But actually no, let's do it because let's trip feed words to people. Yeah. And actually Good. let's make those discussions accessible. Because actually we are making a suppos an assumption here that people are no interested. Could it be because people are no interested because the environment where those discussions are taking place yeah, they've been yeah. a little bit more stiff uh, and yeah. and we want to make them accessible.
2: All right, really? as soon as those words, whatever the hell we use, yeah, if they have meaning, then they make sense and, and we're off. How do we get meaning into those words? Is either with more words, if that works right, or I would argue better still with your hands. As soon as your hands go on and you go, Oh, that's what I mean by a, by a cranial torsion, it's like mm. what the hell cranial torsion. I can explain it in words, but it goes on and on. It's really complex. And it's like, well, too much, put your hands on and you go, Oh, that's what it is. Got it. You got it in two seconds. And yeah? we need the words for the books, for the, for the dialogues and, and to really understand that and give them, give that underpinning. But if it doesn't make sense to your hands, what's the point? So I really want to get that hands-on kind of aspect, and that's what I think. You know, th- this interplay between that we're always going through within these sort of conferences. You know, lots of words, but now we're getting lots of hands-on hubs and and and, and things like that. And that 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 is that interplay. That is that that connection between those two places. Um, you know, we're, we're moving on from Descartes. Um,
1: yeah, um, but because this is who we are self-selecting, again, people that goes to the conference or therapy expo, they are self-selecting. We know they already perceive, understand and make sense of the world and the clinical practice through their hands. So this is why I think it's so important that we create a translation of uh, those concepts. Yep.
0: Great. Well, I think... Was
3: oh, I, can't, the, I can't shut james up go on james <laughs> Sorry. and what you just said uh and in the in the translation what I, I agree matt that some people just don't get excited by the semantics the the the, the, the niggly piggly kind of difference between evidence-led and evidence-informed that's that that semantics and some of us get, get excited by that what's important is not those words but the story behind each mm. and if it's not our responsibility to kind of get people excited about the about the individual words and the terminology. It's to get people excited about the continuity and the story behind mm-hmm. it, and that's the principle. And kind of, and you know, we've got five big words, but we've really got five principles. We've got five stories, and well, they're really five paragraphs within an ongoing story. And I think that's the power of what what Anna Maria has brought us together to to present excellent well
0: right, i've got a couple of requests and it's a great idea to finish just to repeat those um five principles for people listening to podcasts i would like write them down and just have a little think about them and if you're going to therapy expo we'll be talking about this with more with guests coming up between now and therapy expo anyway um but yeah number one was heterarchy get that into your system see how many times you can say that tomorrow it's already feeling more natural the more i say it now which is wonderful <laughs> And uh, number two is integrated anatomy. Number three was natural movement. Number four was play. And number five was thinking critically and questioning with curiosity. And yeah, and they are the five principles of the story which we together led by um, Anna Maria Mazzieri, believe will help therapists not lead
1: it is a heterarchy, heterarchy not true, not project my dear
0: um uh, i can't think of another word now but together with um, i don't know, I don't know other words. but um yeah that's going to help link different presentations together and make it a little bit more sense to the the huge array of real quality stuff which is available at therapy expert um, and we'll, hopefully people there on the day will, will talk about it. There'll be conversations going on in the Hub, there'll be conversations going in the SDA Theatre, there'll be conversations with speakers who are involved in this who will be able to use that language with you, so it will also help us chat to each other and learn from each other, so there we go. Because they
1: underpin practice. It's not Definitely. all about the stories of those five presentations. they underpin practice.
0: Right then, it's 9.07 people. Thank you very much uh, for those of you who joined us live, and obviously thank you very much to... And Mary Maccieri and Owen Lewis and James Earls of Born to Move. It's all very much therapy expert driven at the moment, but Owen and James, for example, what have you got? What's Born to Move got coming up at the moment and before then?
2: Well, um, next Monday, I'm doing a little webinar. There's going to be a, a, a somewhat a sneak peek of the um, kind of uh, the philosophy of care, the philosophy of touch. Um, so that's, that's happening next Monday. So if you want to join me with that one, there's um, that. I know James is running around the
3: world. It sounds like, last I heard. Uh James. Tuesday, I, I, I fly to Jakarta. I'm doing a, a two workshops in Jakarta and then two workshops in Singapore. Um, but you know, so if you're if you're listening from from out there, then please come along. Uh, details on dot Com. Uh, and then in uh, December, uh, I'm being recently hosted by Anne Maria, down in Bristol. In so I'm, I'm looking forward to that do some some functional bodywork sideline and and four point kneeling wonderful we'll give links to all
0: these in the show notes and anna maria i mean you've got loads going on but give us 10 of the 20 things you're doing tomorrow
1: well uh, (laughs) at the moment life is taken a little bit by putting together the therapy x the hands-on hub uh, diary which is quite intense uh, at the moment but we have um we have several courses, so I'm running a, an online workshop next week uh, for on uh, evidence-informed practice for hands-on massage therapists. Then we have um, um, we have oh we have Ben Cormack actually coming in December to Exeter, bringing in his movement therapeutic movement and lower back pain. Then we have oncology. Pregnancy and oh, but eh, sorry, I forgot that. Listen, come and listen to me at Therapy Expo talking about the um, well, several of them, but the one I'm really excited about. Well, I'm excited about all of them, but the um, touch, deep touch. So, the evidence and why we find the clients to like the little bit more of a deep touch. Uh, yes. Some emerging evidence. I am really interested. I'm part of the oh, oh. I'm part of a of a group called ForceNet. That they um, they um, international group. They do quite a lot of research on force-based mechanisms, and there is some really nice research coming up. And actually, today another of the paper I was involved with has come out, which I'm really excited. It was um, led by Chad Cook, and he said, paper on um, gap in evidence or in research where in manual therapy we should be focusing our research on so i'm not going to say what the results of the study was but have a look at it as well i put the link i congratulations
0: great Fantastic. Um, right, so, so there we go. So much um happening inside and outside of Therapy Expo. We'll put all links to websites and things. If anything in there's of interest to listeners, then make sure um you check out the show notes, which is probably easiest. I do add them to YouTube eventually, but they definitely appear on Podbean and host the podcast and also at the sta.com uk. It just leaves me now to say what is oh, and if you want to follow Twitter and Instagram, you've got underscore born to move on both. Um, and on Facebook, uh, you'll find them as well. And then Anna Maria, like I say, is at the ST School across all accounts. And then you've got the stschool.co.uk. Okay. right then. That's it over time. Sorry to keep you. Um, next episode of the Sports Therapy Association podcast is actually going to be at nine o'clock. It's an hour later. Um, just so a baby's sleeping, because we're going to be talking to Sonia Fierro of cover Stronger. Um, how could I say no? She needs a time when the baby's at least having a kip. So um, she's going to be talking to us. For so those of you who don't know, Sonia, fantastic osteopath against evidence informed um, therapist of uh, Recover Stronger. Um, Sonia's going to be in the STA Theatre at Therapy Expo on day one at 2.30 um, as part of the Women in Sports Therapy panel, which Anna Maria is going to be present as well, um, along with Fiona Higgs and um, Michelle Lyons. And then on the Thursday, Sonny's going to be talking about uh, doing a presentation at 11.30 on the Thursday, functional flexibility, which will be really interesting because the whole flexibility stretching thing has evolved nicely since what I and other people were saying 10 years ago. Um, sometimes it's swinging a bit too far one way, but Sonny's going to nail it and, and tell us all about where we are at the moment with regards to evidence informed flexibility and in training. So that will be with Sonny Fierro next week. On YouTube at the later time of nine o'clock.
1: And she's Italian.
0: And of course, yeah, as well, not just Italian, she's also like world deadlift record holder for a weight or something, so like strong, strong.
1: The Italian is better. How are they doing tonight, by the way,
0: Anna Maria? I'm not into football, but I'm gonna make it sound as if I am. Are you keeping a track of the score? No, No?
1: no, No? I'm not into football, it's the wrong shape though for me.
0: (laughs) Right, if you guys can uh, stick around, Anna Maria and and James, I'm just going to shut down the live lounge. Thank you everyone for joining us again. Thank you for your comments. Um, Nikki Mansfield has said, I know I'm biased. That's always great to know. It's critical thinking. Because you guys are four of my favourite people in our entire profession. Well, you've got a good taste. What can I say, Nikki? But what, what an episode. Fantastic. Uh, Tracy Stevens says, well done, Anna Maria. Very exciting about the paper, which is, uh, yeah, definitely very truly very exciting. And Tracy says, thanks, everyone. See you at the Expo. So thanks everyone who joined us uh, hopefully some of you will join us live next tuesday at a later time nine o'clock until then uh, goodbye from all of us and uh, take care of each other you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy